You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week we discuss news and events from this past week as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, Podbay, uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Speaker, and more. And don't forget, this show is also distributed through our partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team introducing first he is the dashing one mr dusty murphy dusty how are you i'm doing fantastic how are you doing miranda i am doing well we have made it to the month of november already 2021 has flown by man like a madman and so uh very eager to see what the rest of the year holds and the rest of this podcast holds but in order to do that we got to bring in the third member of that team, of this team, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. Hey, hey. Yeah. So I'm just going to, you know, this this is like the, I'm going to feed this right back to you. We, we got some, got to get going. This is like the hot tag right back to you, Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big so. show tonight. <laughs> So just a heads up, we are recording this on a Thursday. And for those of you who are listening this week and know what happened on Thursday, we are going to get into it a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we've had Black Mondays, Black Wednesdays, Black Fridays, and now Black Thursdays. So <laughs> make sure you stay tuned to our thoughts on what's coming ahead uh, and if you don't know, you will very shortly. But, you know, we start off every episode with the road back to shows with Brendan. So go ahead and take it away. All right. So uh Mexico is still on pace. We're doing great things there. Uh But I, mostly I've got stuff for the States for like we've got some big match announcements. Negro Casas is coming to the United States. GCW, thank you so much for making this happen. Uh He's going to be. Uh, in LA on December 17th. Uh, there's a couple more dates that I haven't gotten confirmed yet, so hopefully we will. Oh wait, there we go. I've got, uh, all, uh, 11-7, uh, in Westminster, Colorado. We're gonna have the event of Negro Casas versus Rocky Romero at an IWC Legacy show, and that's a Sunday. I'm looking forward to hearing about that one. Yeah. Uh, 
GCW also signed Bandito for a few dates. They've got him December 3rd, 4th, and the 17th. So he's going to be on that same show as Negro Casas. I can't promise we'll see them wrestle each other, but man, that'd be great to see oh live. Oh my gosh, it'd be incredible. <laughs> the meshing of their styles would be yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, and the, so those shows for GCW are in Houston, Dallas, and LA. That's, you know, so the third and the fourth, Houston and Dallas, that makes sense to have them that close together. Then they, he, we fly out to LA and we have another show with Negro Casas on it. So, Again, thank you, GCW. They seem to be. Oh, yeah. GCW definitely has the respect for Lucha. <laughs> well, I mean, they seem to be really piling it on lately. Like, they're trying yeah. to, to grab as many of these um, indie luchadors as they can. It's a smart uh, move. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm once again, I'm going to throw it to you, Miranda. We've got a couple things here. We we hinted at the end of the show last week that we were going to talk about a, a Mask Republic series of announcements and then you have another uh set of shows that's happening in arizona as well yes uh and so let me jump into that first i will start off with uh, the series of shows in arizona board promotions por promotions is coming back to arizona in the phoenix area with their first show um in quite some time this sunday november 7th um, at Salon 602, that's going to be in Phoenix on Thomas Road. Um, a very stacked card that's being headlined by the Lucha Homies. Uh, so that's going to be a great mariachi and, and Cholo, uh, going to be in tag action there. Um, as well as at El Dragon, um, who's been featured in, um, uh, uh, chaos. Uh, Lucha Libre, as well as just some Arizona staples, including Aereo, uh, Kona, uh, Kona Jr., um, the Navajo Warrior, and much, much more, um, at Board Promotions this Sunday, November 7th. The show starts at 5.30. There is going to be a meet and greet, um, starting at, I believe, 4 o'clock. Uh, which anyone can participate in, but this is a big return for Ford Promotions. They also will be having a show in December as well, uh, with more details available online. You can check them out at Ford Promotions, P-O-R Promotions, uh, in the Phoenix area. I will be there. So if you are going, uh, please, you know, make sure to stop by and say hello. Very excited, uh, to announce for board promotions. This will be my first time, um, with that. So I am very excited to announce for them. Uh, as you mentioned, Brendan, as well, we did have a, uh, breaking news towards the end of last week's show that we decided to hold off and wait until sharing until now. Uh, but the Mass Republic sponsored Lucha Libre Mexicana is coming back to the Agua Caliente Casino in Cathedral City, California. Uh, and for this show will be held on December 11th and starting at 7 a 7 p.m. Um, this show is only $10. And again, uh, they are giving out $5 in casino credit as well. So, um, this is going to be a great show. It's going to be headlined by Felino and Felino Jr. 
as well as La Rebellion, Beastia 666, and Mecha Wolf. Uh, Psychosis makes his return. Uh, Dioso Quetzal also makes a, an appearance. Super Astro Jr. Uh, and much, much more, including El Kukui from Pro Wrestling Revolution. Um, and, and many more talents are going to be announced and have already been announced for this show. But if you missed out on the previous show, it was fantastic. Lots of Lucha Libre action. Uh, the Agua Caliente Casino in Cathedral City is a amazing venue. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be decorated very well for the holiday season. So watch out for the Master Republic sponsored Lucha Libre Mexicana on Saturday, December 11th, 7 p.m. Tickets are only $10. $10. Right. Can't meet, beat, and, and you get the casino credit, so you could yes. come out with more money than you started, mm-hmm. started with. And some big names again. The yes. uh, NWA World Tag Team Champions are going to be there. Psicosis, you know, a legend of Lucha Libre, uh, Super Astro Jr., um, Diosa Quetzal, as well making, um, the, uh, her Lucha Libre Mexicana debut. Uh, so, um, uh, an amazing show to be had in Cathedral City, California. So stay tuned. Of course, we're going to keep reminding you, letting you know of updates on that show. Uh, but make sure you support your local, uh, and independent Lucha Libre promotions. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's interesting news that, uh, I've got some interesting follow-up news on that. The Osa Quetzal also was on social media this week saying that she's planning on working a few of her last agreed upon dates and, uh, and retiring. Uh, she's, it's, oh, she's wow. not, yeah. <laughs> She's not really uh, of the age that she should be thinking of retirement. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah she's so, not. I don't think of her in retirement. Uh, it, it has. Yeah. It has more to do. Uh, speculation over it at uh, Lucha Blog seems to be that it has more to do with uh, she's just tired of aspects of the business. But uh, hopefully, she's one of the shows she's referring to when she says she's. Working a few of these agreed upon, agreed upon dates is still that Agua Caliente show because I've been watching her all throughout 2019 and 2020. Yeah. And uh, I've been really excited to see her live. So uh, yeah, yeah, me too. She's got such a unique look and style yeah. set and everything in the ring. And I mean, her enthusiasm, what she brings to it is contagious. You know, like you feel her emotions. Because she telegraphs well, so yeah, it's surprising mm-hmm. she's considering retiring already. Uh, you know, it's it's a lucha libre retirement, so yeah. it may not it may not <laughs> stick. But uh, that is where Everybody we're at. comes back. <laughs> that's true. Um, but that's that's my road back to shows for this week. Uh, I was trying to stick with some of these positive announcements. Looking ahead at uh, at the luchadors that are now going to have more of a chance to work in the United States between. Uh, lots of the news that's going on as well as Mass Republic adding all of these licensed luchadors, all 50-ish of them. So, uh, we, looks like we're gonna have a big, big 2022. And, uh, we're, we're starting it a little early here at the, at the end of 2021. So, I'm looking forward to it. But up next, Brennan, you had a pretty beautiful week, uh, weekend, uh, up in your area, uh, your neck of the woods, as they say. Yeah. Um, 
so we actually had three shows. We had Defy on Friday up in in uh, Bellingham. There was a five CC match, and then uh, in in Everett, Washington, we had the Without a Cause wrestling. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to make it up to five CC. I will be reaching out to them to try and get you results, and we may swing if I get those quickly. We'll swing back around and bring them up. But we did have Defy, who featured a couple, prominently a couple of, uh, luchadors. Uh, they, uh, they had in the, the middle of the card, we had Sonico, who's a regular favorite at Defy, against the returning El Phantasmo from New Japan. Uh, El Phantasmo, for those of you who don't know, started off in the Pacific Northwest, so he's unofficially kind of uh, regular around here and has been picking up a few dates here and there. Um, I, I generally have not talked a lot about El Fantasmo because, uh, he's got a, he's, we've talked early on about what is Lucha and what isn't. He falls really into the heavy gray area here. He is, he's, uh, by his own admission, Fantasmo is a, Canadian guy who just took a lucha gimmick and it's awfully, awfully close to El Fantasma, who's kind of a big legend. So it's, you know, a whole thing. Um, but here he is wrestling Sonico and this week, for whatever reason, he decided to, to pick me out amongst all of the fans. As I was, uh, offering him some less than constructive c- criticism in the form of, uh, of my middle finger. And, uh, he, he. <laughs> That's wrestling. Eh? That's, uh, <laughs> very constructive of you. Well, uh, Everybody gives a finger at wrestling shows. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. I was like, you know, I'm feeling emotionally invested in this. I want Sonico to win. I don't want you to win. You're talking right now, so I'm going to give you the middle finger. In the middle of that, he saw me look right at me and, and, and uh, said, F you, fat boy. So, oh. That's like such a Bruno heel. Ric Flair used to say that all the time. Like that's almost a badge of honor to be told that in a wrestling show. Almost, almost. But that's but you hit on my point here. Like we've got Buddy Buddy Rosen and Ric Flair used to say it back in the eighties. Come, yeah, it's yeah. it's way low hanging fruit. Like people on this show that listen to this show and have never seen me because we don't do this with video very often. Probably know I'm fat. Like, come on, ELP. You could, you can do better. I've seen you do better than this. Try harder. <laughs> Try. Like, it, it was, you know, where it was a Halloween show. You could have called me like a, you know, a pumpkin pie. You could have, you know, you, you, <laughs> you just come on. You can't, you can do absolutely better. Like, so even Chris Jericho, fellow Canadian and actual luchador, Adds dipshit when he calls people fat at this point. <laughs> the standards are set high. Just, you know. You know, yeah, just, just bring, bring the game, bring the game up. Um, ELP <laughs> did bring, Ted, later in the match in the middle of a rope walk, he did do a callback, uh, through the, the, a middle finger back my direction while doing the rope walk, which was genuinely cool. But, uh, <laughs> that, 
what I've decided I'm going to do is at some point during this show to return the, that that level of, of favor, I'm just going to, in the middle of talking, just slip in an F-E-L-P and then just keep going. Uh, <laughs> but all of this was just set up. I, I enjoyed th- being part of the show uh, for that brief second there. Sonico wound up, unfortunately, losing ELP, then went on to continue with his dickish behavior, harassing local wrestler and uh, radio personality Steve Miggs, who was working as the ring announcer. So I'm like, even you're not safe, Miranda. He could come after you next. Uh, it's all part of the job. <laughs> uh, and uh, it looks like they're kind of setting something up because he did the he took his boot off and had Migs kiss his bare feet after knocking him out. So there you go. Uh, and then we also had the homicide versus local. Uh, he's I don't know how to do it. local wrestling personality. He's all over the place. He's lucha trained. He went down and trained uh, with with Kali down in India. He was uh, helped run the school there. Ethan HD. Uh, so we had that. I I had the opportunity to speak with Homicide ahead of time. Uh, so Homicide is really excited about uh, about the some things coming up. We'll, we'll swing back around, but he's a very nice guy, despite the fact that he literally threw the most brutal and violent matches I've ever seen in the. Uh, in the post ECW era, and this was no real exception. The two kind of tore the place apart. Uh, he threw Ethan HD off the stage at one point. Uh, it was, you know, uh, for those of you who are, are wondering what the result was, Homicide did win. I mean, I don't know if that, that's surprising to anybody. Uh, but so there you go. That was Defy Marauders on Friday and on Sunday without a cause wrestling featured once again Sonico. This time against Jordan Oliver. Uh, this was the match that, uh, this podcast sponsored. So I, I put it, threw it out on Twitter. I said, thank you to Jordan Oliver. Sonico was always, always happy to represent. Uh, it was, it was a banger of a match. You have two young guys that can fly, throw the, throw some locks in there, uh, kind of match up. They match up really well in, in size and height and strength. I mean, nothing wrong with this. So, uh, unfortunately, or I guess, I don't know, uh, uh, Jordan, uh, I, I don't remember the whole, the whole, how this all played out, but, uh, we had, we had a bit of a scrum at the end and, uh, I believe it was Jordan Oliver got out on top. I didn't write that down because I was so excited to watch the whole match. Uh, and anyway, that was uh, without a cause. That was our without a cause lucha match. We will be having more. Uh, I have received serious hints that without a cause is going trying to bring in a lot of lucha talent. As we've been talking about, there's more of it becoming available, and knowing there's an audience for it, they want to bring it up. So keep your ears tuned. And then, as I mentioned last week on the road back to shows, IWRG had the. Castillo del Terror match, which is the the multiple cages that you have to escape from, and you don't so much win this match as as opposed to you're not the loser. Uh, the last person left in the ring loses their mask or their hair, uh, and and generally uh, has has kind of a bit of a setback for you know 
pride, dignity, and 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 fan respect uh, for a little while. You know how it is. You lose your mask or your hair. It's just hard to recover from that. This featured Piretta Morgan Jr., Dr. Wagner Jr., Diosa Quetzal, Galeno Del Mal, Satania, Toxin, Hijo del Piretta Morgan, Hijo del Abrije, Lolita, Piretta Morgan himself, Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr., Diosa Atena, and Delta. And uh, Piretta Morgan Jr. wound up losing his hair. Uh, he, you know, he cut a couple promos. They very much set up that, uh, the, uh, Piretta clan does not get along well with the Wagners. There was a lot of, of talk with that. The Wagners were there kind of enforcing that he got his hair cut at the end of it. So, uh, I feel like they're kind of setting up some more stuff. But once again, you have, this was their Halloween themed one. It's up on YouTube. You have lots of the, the, dramatic and uh and effects i think the ghost came out there was i mean you know cmll's kind of exclusive to people getting dragged to hell but they were kind of invoking a lot of that sort of imagery all night long ending night with this match it's up on youtube uh the uh a lot of the results that have been given are available on my socials and on the on lucha central and uh, that is my indie roundup for the week. Thank you, Brendan, for both the road back to shows and the indie roundup. Don't forget, if you are an independent wrestling promotion fan, promoter, wrestler, whatever it may be, feel free to reach out to us on social media. We will give our socials at the end of the show. So that way, if you are interested in promoting a match, a show, uh, an interaction, uh, please let us know. We are big advocates and fans of independent wrestling. Um, and especially if you have any footage, that would be great to share with us because we are always interested in looking for, uh, you know, things all over, uh, the internet. And speaking of next week, we are going to be having an interview with someone who is pretty well known as far as the, uh, clips and videography section of pro wrestling, um, especially out in the Midwest independence and in Lucha Libre. So stay tuned. That's going to be an interesting, uh, interview and some things you definitely will learn more about. But with that, well, you know what time it is. We're going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. 
Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed and please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love for now this is denise salcedo signing off from lucha central central have a great week lucha-masks.com by pro wrestling revolution bringing you in partnership with mass republic the lucha brothers as well as japanese legend ultimo dragon Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com powered by pro wrestling revolution. And that was Denise Salcedo with this week's Lucha Central Central letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. All right. So we're just going to get straight to it. As we alluded to a little bit earlier, we are recording this on a Thursday. It has just been really a few brief hours in which news was announced regarding a series of releases from WWE. And this has happened periodically throughout the past year. Uh, and we've covered them on the show. However, there are some very specific names with this group that hit very close to home to not only the world of Lucha Libre, but also this podcast. So, you know, we're going to be talking about it before we get to our gut reactions. I'm just going to be reading off uh, really the, the names of all of the released wrestlers in there. Uh, and from there, we'll kind of discuss what we feel about it. First off, uh, we have Frankie Monet from NXT, Ember Moon, Jesse Kamea, Zeta Ramir, uh, Oni Lorkin, B-Fab, Nia Jax, Eva Marie, uh, Jeet Rama, Trey Baxter, and some of the more notable names on here, uh, Grand Metalik, Lince Dorado, Scarlet, Karrion Cross. Uh, Mia Yim and Keith Lee. So uh, the the names that definitely stand out on this podcast and in the world of Lucha Libre, of course, Frankie Monet, 
as we know as Taya Valkyrie, Katrina Cortez, who we've talked about over the past few weeks, who has been on both NXT and 205 Live. Of course, the team of Scarlett and Karrion Cross. Um, with Karrion only been signed since early last year and Scarlett not too long after that. Uh, Lucha House Party, Grand Metalik and Lindsay Dorado both released with, uh, we've already seen reports previously that Grand Metalik had requested his release, uh, prior to that, um, as, as well too. Um, uh, but even, you know, the big names like Keith Lee who have been on the active roster as well. So now that we've discussed some of these names, I want to get what your gut reaction is with this. So Dusty, I'm going to start with you. Oh my gosh, I was shocked. Honestly, I was kind of holding my breath, and I, 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 I hate to say this, but I was yeah. holding my breath because I was afraid we were going to see Legado del Fantasma at some point with some of the names mm-hmm. released. Mm-hmm. And then the more luchadors released, I started to worry for Ray and Dominic as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a strong direction for them right now. It seems like on the main roster, for whatever reason, they couldn't figure out Karrion Cross. Yeah. Scarlet was a huge part of what made him special. They never used her on the main roster. They never Correct. leaned to the supernatural thing. And I know that they had, you know, before we've had The Undertaker, Bray Wyatt. I think if they had done it right, Karrion could have easily fit in that oh, yeah. spot, that supernatural spot. They just didn't do it for whatever reason. And I'm baffled on that. But, I mean, it, it's not just the main roster. We also saw with Frankie Monet. She signed just this year on Valentine's Day. She didn't even mm-hmm. make it seven months. She had like, yeah. what, six matches? Yeah. And the entire time she was mm-hmm. there. Uh, I don't know if WWE has ever so thoroughly and consistently dropped the ball on a ready-made star, like the star of any division, like they did with Taya, Frankie Monet. EC3 is a close second. But I'm not as certain he was ready to be the guy, the focus of a division, the way that Taya was. Like, she could have been the focus of any women's division in the world and been a star. And she goes to NXT, and they have nothing for her. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything with her. And I'm just baffled. I know that they're rebranding NXT. She's, you know, I I think a couple years younger than me. But over 30 And, you know, they allegedly had needed to go around under 30 only. We're kind of seeing the results of that. But can you imagine having somebody that looks like Taya on your roster and going, no, 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 I'm only looking for under 30s. Like, (laughs) she is the total package. I want people with less experience. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just surprising. Worldwide experience. Yeah. Yeah. She has the look. She has the talent. She has the ability. She has the connection. She's married to John Morrison. I mean, she's friends with everybody. She knows everybody. Everybody loves Taya. And -hmm. they couldn't come up with anything for her. And that blows my mind. WWE, at this point, I'm convinced they only get lucky when something catches on. I don't know what the writers are doing because when you have somebody that's literally the total package that could be the star of any show, any division, ready-made, main event talent like Taya, and you can't do anything like your your smallest local indie could have done something with Taya. Mm-hmm. How could WWE not? Like it just 
it, it baffles me, and they have lost whatever magic or whatever touch they used to have, and it's just more and more apparent every week. The people that are getting reactions and the people we want to see aren't the people we're getting to see. They've yeah. become accustomed during the Thunderdome era. They could pipe in the boos and the cheers. Mm-hmm. The crowds did exactly what they wanted them to, and so they don't even have to organically get somebody over the same way they used to anymore. It's it's very strange. I feel like the cuts in total show that the company is perhaps up for sale, record profits during the pandemic, all that Saudi blood money coming in, $50 million a year, and you, I don't know. The whole thing just – ev- literally every name on there baffles and kind of disgusts me. Keith Lee had some incredible matches. I mean what, it was about two years ago, right, that he was super over. He did Roman at Survivor Series, Brock at the Royal Rumble. Everything he did, he looked like a damn star. Well, and uh, he's a he's a WWE guy. Like if you yeah. were to describe a WWE yeah. guy, you might picture Keith Lee. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and then Katrina Cortez, like she was on two hundred five a lot, two hundred five live a lot lately. I had mentioned that we'd covered on the show. I'm actually going to cover last week's match later in the show, but the crowds loved her. Like when you watched two hundred five live last week, the crowds were super into her. She was easily the most popular person that wrestled on two hundred five live last week by crowd reaction. And so, how does that not figure into some of your decision making? Grand Metal League, <clears throat> excuse me, Grand Metal League, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Apparently, he's tweeted that he's already going back to the name Mascara Dorada. I, mm. I think he should. That name doesn't have the stink of WWE on it the way Grand Metal League does. And it has a built-in fan base that yeah. probably hasn't been watching. Him, Absolutely. So. Well, yeah. and Grand Metal League was a main event star. I mean, he was the guy. In oh, yeah. LL. And... and Deservedly so. So often it's a politic to get to the top. But his was sheer in-ring ability. Like the things he could do in the ring pushed him all the way to the top. And he was amazing in the Cruiserweight Classic. All my favorite matches in the Cruiserweight Classic were Grand Metal League matches. And then they don't let him do any of that once he's signed. And then instead of letting him be a single star, they put him in a tag team. He got really lucky with Lindsay. Like, these guys worked great yeah. together. I mean, mm-hmm. so many tag teams are just thrown together. I mean, like, RK-Bro is funny, but it's just random. Yeah. And I know why they put the two luchadors together, but they worked so well together that it's it was just magic, and they captured lightning in a bottle there. And I think they were even better without Kalisto once it was just the two of them. Like, these yeah. guys were so fluid. Some of the the flips, the shooting star presses that Lince did, the rope walks and stuff that Grand Metalik did were still miles ahead of anything Lucha that we see in WWE. I'm honestly a little impressed they held on this long. I, you know, when... We heard about three weeks ago, Metalik asked for his release. Every release, they were kind of the people we thought might be released, and they weren't. But they never did anything with them in the interim either. So I, it's really just a testament to how much talent WWE had and could not cash in on. They couldn't come up with anything for. They couldn't. 
use yeah. what they already had and keep it at a consistent level even. Well, that's that's I mean, you you mentioned it, but I always go back to this like this when I became aware of it, like in the 2000s, they fired the Dudley boys. And famously, Bubba Ray said at the time, even the reason they were let go is because WWE creative couldn't find anything for them to do. So you're talking about the hottest, most over tag team in the entire world at the time that that happened. And they're like, yeah, oh, and maybe in history, have... like if you don't remember <laughs> yeah. how hot the Dudleys were, you weren't yeah, there I mean, because yeah, they you look were at the so hot. Of, of uh, tag teams and they're absolutely up there yeah. in their entire yeah. WWE run. And we we can't find anything for you to do, so we're going to just let you go. Like, come on. That just reeks of – that was where, I, like I said, where I started to smell the, the, the problems here that the WWE had, the disconnect you have between the front office and the and the, the talent that is, has to work in front of the, the crowd because the talent are busting their asses, doing their their very best with the, the kind of handcuffs they're getting in this WWE style. And and uh, the people at the top just are like, no, um, I, we don't have anything for tag teams right now. Tag teams are are weird. We're just not gonna, you know. And and uh, again, to your your point about luck, like they threw the two guys in mass into a team together because that's what they do. I'm looking all the way. I'm looking. Kalisto is also in the Lucha Dragons. So come yeah. on, yeah, <laughs> like that's uh, two guys in mass. We'll just you're a tag team. Uh, and, but they, they hit, they hit on it again. They, you know, they, they hit, they hit, they got lucky. And then, it, yeah, because and they, they got the best tag teams. Like, yeah. Lindsay and Metalik were both, or, you know, Mascara Dorada. I need to get used to saying that again. But <laughs> they were both really impressive singles guys. I mean, Lindsay mm-hmm. was so good in Chikara. Yeah. He was yep. tearing it up on the Indies. Uh, when the Cruiserweight Classic came in, he was the guy I thought might win. Like, he was my dark horse candidate. It was Lince Dorado. Uh, he works with Urban Aztec. If you remember the mask yeah. that he had when he started in WWE, it's my favorite mask of all time. Like, that is the coolest mask. And so, uh, yeah. Fun, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. It's just fun, fun fact for you, Dusty. Uh, he, Lindsay was hanging out at the first Expo Lucha at Urban Aztec's booth most of the weekend and nobody knew who he was. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy to me. (laughs) And and he couldn't officially be there because he was WWE contracted, but, you know, people who knew, knew. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I was, I, I, I mentioned this off air, so I'm gonna bring it to this now. My biggest concern, like, I have, always have this reaction of, yay, they're released from the WWE, now we can see something. But then I realized that I had a lot of that reaction last week with ROH wrestlers being freed up, and there's a lot of WWE lucha talent that's been released. There's a lot of general talent that's been released. And there's only so many indie shows running, and there's only so many spots on it. Like five to seven yeah. matches, it's not a lot of matches. And yeah. unless you're running a lucha show, they can't all be six man tags. Uh, but well, and and that's just it. Like I don't necessarily. I mean, 
I was honestly kind of shocked. We'll get to this later, but Samurai Del Sol debuted in AEW this week. I, I don't know that he was signed. I think it was a per appearance from what I understand. But I was shocked that he made it to AEW because there is so much talent out there right now. It's that what if you heard from Samurai Del Sol lately? You know, I mean, he was somebody that if at this point, you know, could have gone to the Indies torn it up for a while and come back and it would have made sense. And I don't know that somebody in his position necessarily gets that spot next time because you have higher on the ladder names now. Look at all well, the names yeah. of free agents coming. That's in. that's that this brings up the point. So we will talk about that angle, but largely that angle happened because FTR are challenging luchadors. So they needed high profile luchadors to come in and do that match. Had they had they waited a week to do that match, they would have had an entirely different field of people. And you're absolutely right. Samurai Del Sol probably wouldn't have made the list because there would have been a whole lot of more a lot more people that are more individually known in the states as luchadors yeah. to do well, that. Even Mascara Dorada, I mean, he may not be as well known, but the visual appeal and the flash that he brings in ring. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that would get over with an AEW crowd with no backstory. No, I mean, they would go nuts for that. I mean, they're the exact right audience for somebody like, you know, Mascara Dorada, Grand Metal League. And make yeah. make a note of that because I will I will come back to that when we talk about <laughs> AEW because yeah. yeah. you're right. Uh, and and I have very specific, but that's all going to be part of the AEW stuff. Uh, Miranda, did you have any thoughts? I mean, you you got us both to, to open our mouths and spout our our feelings. What were your feelings when you saw these releases? Well, I have to say I was very surprised by a lot of them, especially some of the newer talents or the talents that we've seen on the main roster. You know, um, as as far as the ones that we've been discussing, um, uh, Frankie Monet, like mm-hmm. uh, Dusty said, had just been signed earlier this year. Yeah. Um, yep. It's something that I really was surprised to see, especially because not only does she have the talent in ring, but she has the television experience. She is someone that we have talked multiple times who gets the sports entertainment aspect of wrestling and could have easily been folded into a sports entertainment like environment because she is an athlete, but also has the personality. And so someone who was very custom made for WWE with, um, you know, just the, the comedy side, the acting, um, you know, the in-ring ability, she could do it all. Uh, and yeah. that really surprised me. Karrion Cross and Scarlett. You know, as much as yeah. we, it was still very unknown what was happening with Karrion Cross, it also looked like Scarlett was tailor-made for this company. You know, yes. her look, her attitude. Yeah. As uh, just it, as much as Keith Lee is a WWE mm-hmm. guy, Scarlett is a WWE girl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. lady, woman. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> for my language. Yes. It's hard for me, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's really surprised me. As far as Grand Metalik, that didn't necessarily surprise me as much. But I would say what we did, you know, consider and talk about previously is where that left Lince. Mm-hmm. And that, too, in some way was a surprise, but some way I think 
could be a blessing in disguise for him where he can now really relaunch his career as a new Lindsay. I think, you know, diving yeah. a little bit into where some people are going to land. Um, I think him coming into another company or a series of independence was mm-hmm. a little bit of an edge, you know, really taking off, you know, cause Lucha House Party was very much fun and entertaining and, you know, para los niños, if you want to, you know, phrase it in a certain way. <laughs> Thank you, the part <laughs> Yes, but, you know, I think, too, he's an incredible athlete. He is also someone who has a, a great look and someone who's incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to go in with a little bit more of an edge or a different look, it can do wonders for him because he's been associated with WWE for such a long time. Yep. Um, I do think one of the blessings in disguises as well is that Karrion hasn't been off the independence for that long. Um, so he still, I'm sure has homes in lots of places. I already know, you know, future stars of wrestling is going to be counting down the days to when he can come back. But even a place like MLW, which was one of those promotions he was with not too long before he signed with WWE. So I think because of the fact that he hasn't been off the independent scene for that long, that transition back into that scene could be something that's a lot easier for him. And Scarlett has already posted on her social medias, you know, the the openings that she's willing to take bookings again. Um, so, I mean, I think, too, the landscape for her is, you know, endless um, for her as, as well. But also both of them as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if we will see them back in Mexico at any point with Triple A. Um and going, yeah, and going I back guarantee. to Frankie, we talked about it even last week when we discussed the PWI uh, Women's 150 is that, you know, she had a really good place and impact. And I think she has a lot of business left in impact, especially now that the scene, the knockouts division has changed. You have a new champion. Yeah. You've had, you know, new talent there. I think that. She, you know, not got that triple A connection. She has the triple A connection and even some interesting twists like the new digital media championship that they put out. You know, is that going to be necessarily super high profile? No, but it is an intergender uh, belt. And that's something that Taya is incredibly gifted at. And, you know, that could be kind of a, a new area new pathway for her if she does go back to impact um so i mean there's a lot to be told with it but those are kind of just my initial reactions and then where i think people will land um you know kind of a a quick final note too on what you guys think with the the landscape of wrestling changing so much we just talked about it last week with ring of honor um, and they are, you know, modifying their business model slash may completely not come back after December. You have now AEW in the mix of even if it's on a per, you know, appearance basis, um, you know, having a, a, a lot of content that they need to fill out on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and even other things like MLW with you know, their updates to their rosters. Uh, NWA is still very sporadic with their tapings, but still fairly active. Mm-hmm. And then even bigger independents like a GCW. Um, you know, what yeah. are kind of your thoughts on where people may land and what's going to happen with them? Well, so that's, I mean, we, we were already sort of getting around there. Uh, that's that's where it gets really weird. Uh, I think you have a strong point that uh, carrying cross because it's it was basically a hiccup that was no longer than an injury timeout 
has has a home anywhere he goes. I think AAA is going to win big on a lot of this. They may not sign everybody to strong uh, contracts for for this, but they're going to grab a lot of this talent, put them as, in one-off events or you know two or three appearances, that sort of thing. And yeah. uh, you know they're going to because that can really up their visibility by grabbing these guys, and they absolutely will. Um. But here in the States, as we were kind of getting to, luchadors have a spot being luchadors. But you don't – I mean, Cubs fan expanded on this on his blog recently. Uh, but it, if you the, the facts speak for themselves on it too. You just don't have a lot of space on your average card for mm. for luchadors to just exist. They, they're usually in matches because they're luchadors. Uh, and then the really transcendent ones like your carrying crosses, your, uh, your Ray Mysterios, even though that he's never going to be in the Indies ever again. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're able to, to work their way to the top of the card and, and, and be part of that and then leave that lucha spot for other people. But right now, that's with these mass releases, that's all that they're, you know, you're looking at. Like, we need an ex WWE guy. We need an ex lucha. We need a luchador. Then you're never an ex luchador. Uh, you know, so it's going to be weird to see that GCW has, as you mentioned, is going to be, uh, you know, is very good about featuring luchadors, uh, pro wrestling gorilla, uh, uh, you know, we talk about it in the indie roundup as we can super indies like defy, uh, and then galley in Chicago when they're able to run shows and a couple of other Chicago promotions, and Texas, uh, Texas promotions feature luchadors, but those, they're, they're really low budget, like four times a year kind of shows a lot of, in a lot of these cases. So what yeah. are they going to do the rest of the year? Uh, especially since, you know, Impact can't just open up their checkbooks. AEW has to at some point stop the bleeding and then yep. stop taking every wrestler. And, uh, I mean, I don't even know. Again, ROH can't pick anybody up. Lindsay with yeah. a dark edge showing up in ROH as it was as it was running two weeks ago would have been fantastic. He could have yeah. partnered with, uh, with with Dark Flamita or Demonic Flamita. You could have had an Evil Luchadors tag team that would have been fantastic. Um, I don't know where. I mean, like, he's the one I really don't know because he could do anything. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be a, a great win for anybody, but uh, he's probably just going to to take some some one off indie dates. Uh, uh, Dusty, did you have any thoughts on on uh, where people are going to wind up or what? Well, the, the, yeah, the big winner, I think, in all of this, truly, if they're going to make a strong play, could be MLW for Azteca Underground. <laughs> this has been the most luchadors and lucha-adjacent talent on the market on a long time. There's a lot of people now that have been on Lucha Underground that are currently released. I mean, I, I don't want to wish evil on anybody, but if I was Ricochet, I'd be sweating it right now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I just being honest, like, look at all the guys that we covered on main event that have been released lately. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, yeah, that was, I was gonna, Riker's still there. I was going to joke about that too. That the main event seems to be the kiss of death, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, sh- I should stress at this point while we're talking about this, uh, frequently these waves are last over days. 
So this story may not be done yet. Um, you know, right. with, yeah, I'm the still holding my this, breath. It may have evolved. <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah. And that's a, that's very, very true. And there's more to come because as we will hear over the news next few weeks as well, as you know, we hear more news about, you know, what these releases mean. Maybe we will find out right away, you know, who's going to be picked up or who's going to be featured on things. I know those in the NXT realm have a shorter non-compete clause than those on the main roster. <laughs> yes, we found out through all kinds of WWE mismanagement. So uh, uh, yeah. that's, you know, um, well, Aleister Black just got away because his, uh, his contract <laughs> was not updated. But, you know, say like a, I believe a Trey Baxter already uh, GCW is announcing him for dates in December mm-hmm. um, because, you know, NXT dates or NXT non-competes are, are different. Yeah, uh, yeah. tweeted, I'll be ready mm-hmm. to work anywhere in 30 days or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, so that too will be kind of a first wave of people that we see out. Um, and then, you know, kind of a, a next wave as well. So we'll see, say a Ty Valkyrie, and we're gonna call her back Taya. She already put it on her socials. Yeah. She is Taya motherfucking Valerie. Um, going back to Well, her. and she's got so many interests too. She had the clothing line. She yeah. likes to act in horror she's movies still, and yeah, stuff. She was too. Far spread. Her reach was too wide for a WWE contract to hold her down. So she wasn't going to be long for them anyway. Yeah. And, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, going back so to good to have thinking, her back, though. Yes. Oh, gosh. I mean, again, I think, as, as we all agree, it's just kind of a, a wasted uh, opportunity. The potential was there. All of the factors were there. You know, what they decide to do with people and, and not is the business of the WWE. But I know that a lot of them still have, you know, again, it, it's a different landscape in pro wrestling, even just in this past week. And it's going to continue to evolve over the next few months and even over the next year. Um, you know, and who, which, you know, we will see at, you know, other promotions on uh, throughout the independent scene. Um, maybe who lands at AEW, who knows? Uh, but we got you covered here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. So make sure you stay tuned each and every week because we will have updates as soon as we have them. We will share those with you. And of course, our thoughts on what is happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Uh, but we're going to move on because we still have a whole week's worth of content to cover, including this week in AEW, uh, we had a special appearance of someone who we've interviewed on the show on Dark Elevation and, of course, that big AAA tag team match on Dynamite and more. So, Dusty, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, first up, we had Tuesday Dark. And we had Viva Van versus the native beast Nyla Rose. It was awesome. This was largely a squash match, though, but it was awesome to see Viva Van in AEW again. She's getting that nas- national exposure. I mean, she has done so much for her brand and her reach and just name recognition this year. I mean, watch yeah. out in 2022. Viva Van, she's going to be a big deal. The match started with Vicky Guerrero yelling at Justin Roberts to get out of the ring because it sucks. <laughs> then she told the crowd that they should be honored that she was willing to show up. Just fabulous Rudo shit in the ring. It was amazing. Vicky is a master. 
Viva was able to get a little bit of offense in, but Nyla was dominant, and she just didn't relent. She finally hit the beast bomb, got the victory, and one minute and 32 seconds. And then we had Wednesday Night Dynamite. If you follow me on social media, you know your boy Dusty was at this episode of Dynamite. Heck yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was really the episode that was there to build up full gear and round out the official lineup for the show. But there were some nice Lucha highlights during the show. Just felt lucky to be there for this one. First up, we had Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol, formerly known as Kalisto, making their AEW debut. It was a loss against FTR, but great match. FTR announced that they had an open challenge on the AAA titles for any luchador who was not the Lucha Bros. And honestly, I thought this was building to a swerve where it was going to be the Lucha Bros under some generic masks, kind of like FTR had done. (laughs) Yeah. But we got lucky. We got Aerostar, Samurai Del Sol. Uh, Aerostar seemed nervous, a little hesitant during the match. He wasn't quite the Aerostar we remember from those, was it the best of five, best of seven, something like that, with Drago on um, Lucha Underground. It, that wasn't the Aerostar we got. He never seemed to catch his rhythm, but then there was a dive and he seemed to injure his leg, at least from within the arena. That's how it looked. And he, you know, just kind of slowed up a bit then. It wasn't the same. But the chemistry between FTR and Simmeray Del Sol, and this is why I think he was chosen for this spot. The chemistry was fantastic, and you could tell they'd worked against each other before. They had had around a dozen matches in WWE against each other in late 2018 and early 2019, handful of house show matches in there as well. And so I would imagine when it came time for a luchador that needed to come in, they may have recommended Samurai Del Sol. They worked with him before. They knew they worked well with him. But like we mentioned, with all these spots coming up and people coming up, it was very lucky for Samurai Del Sol when he got the call. (laughs) Yeah. He had an amazing spot in the match that I, I don't know if it necessarily went viral, but it was popular on social media where he walked on his hands to the ring rope and then he did like these backflips into a head scissors. It was amazing. The finish was Aerostar grabbing Wheeler, putting him into a victory roll, but then Wheeler reversed it while using the rope and having a handful of Aerostar's tights to get the pin and retain the AAA Tag Team Championships in 8 minutes and 44 seconds. Uh, what a big spot for Aerostar, yeah. too. Like, that was yeah. the real surprise. Samurai Del Sol was a surprise, but Aerostar was yeah. like a shock. And I was, yeah, I, just so happy to be there. Go ahead, when Brenda. I When I thought it through, though, it was less of a shock to me because Aerostar was part of the last big uh luchadors in the united states kind of push he was on he was on lucha underground and he's not currently signed to mlw so i was like yeah this makes sense they want and he was really popular on that show yeah he was he was beloved him and drago were you know together especially on lucha underground and i was talking to some people seated right beside us at the show and they kind of knew lucha and they were like oh yeah he lives in chicago talking about Aerostar, and I was like, he lives in Chicago? And I was like, he's a, he's a Mexican luchador. And they're like, oh yeah, he lives in Chicago. So maybe they knew something I didn't know, but it, it was interesting. And yeah, I don't know, very exciting. 
Also, what we had super exciting, we had Andrade defeating Cody in a huge win for Andrade. The match was very evenly paced throughout, but the partnership between Andrade and FTR continues. FTR popped up from under the ring, causing Cody's suicide dive to throw him straight into the AAA tag team titles. Gave Andrade some easy work to get the pin in 10 minutes and 35 seconds. Afterwards, Tully and Arn began to square off, and the Lucha Bros ran in, and they were wearing some very hype streetwear fashion. They looked fantastic. Great shoes. <laughs> I mean, I love seeing Luchadors in street clothes with the masks on. Such a cool look. So that that sweater that, that uh, Penta was wearing, when he first came running out, I was like, is that Conan in a Pentagon mask? That was... <laughs> He was, he looked like he was, you know, having some trouble and, and he looked a little, yeah, I was, but, uh, got a better look at it. You're right. It's, it's a, it was a much better looking, but he, for a second, he looked like he was an angry old man trying to, to <laughs> chase kids off the lawn. <laughs> yeah. In, in person, it really looked good, but on video, you're right. Like with the lighting and all, it wasn't quite the, the choice that it was well lit. And uh, after the match, the, the Lucha Bros ran in. They helped e- kind of even up the numbers, ran off FTR and Andrade. Then Penta even helped Cody to the back. But if you remember, not that long ago, just before the baby was born, Penta had some very nasty things to say right. to Cody. Never oh, resolved. Sure. Now they're bros. Yeah. Somebody told me that they hope my pregnant wife and baby died. I probably wouldn't be too nice to them or even accept their help to the back of the arena. But Cody, he's a more amenable fellow than me. He lets bygones be bygones, I guess. <laughs> but that kind of ties into what I wanted to mention next. All of this makes me wonder what's going on with FTR. They're ostensibly part of the pinnacle, but... When MGF had his segment, we saw Wardlow and Sean Spears come out to fight the Darby Army in the Darby MJF face-off. But FTR right now seem to be doing their own thing with Andrade connection. And as we've seen, and I mentioned with the Cody and Penta feud, sometimes Triple A just drops the ball storyline-wise. And Mm -hmm. I have a feeling this is one of those moments, that this is just never going to be explained in terms of the pinnacle. Like, they just don't need them oh, yeah. right now, Pinnacle, and there's, this is something we can do with them. And so, I'm so honestly why then go out of their way to distance them from that, and the, the first time we got this, with that, that, that stairway scene, which the commentary referenced multiple times during the match, both of these matches. So, uh, I'm very confused. So they, they, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. They... Wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling. Yeah. Well, well, and I am very excited to see FTR in AAA. I think yeah. that that could bring some fresh and interesting matchups. And honestly, their grounded, kind of more brawling style would be a great base for a lot of the higher flying luchadors. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So but, that was like, what I wanted to swing back around to is – uh if you were, if we had an evil manager type, this would, at AEW, this would feel like it was, they were booking FTR in their personal hell. Because yeah. by being Lucha tag team champions, 
they now have to fight all guys that are are, are flippy stuff, like because that's what American Luchador is pretty much yeah, branded as. Exactly. So like, that's why when you were talking about bringing uh, Metalik in and and uh, matching up that way, I'm like, yeah, those two would that Metalik and FTR would match up great because FTR is actually really good at facing flyers. We've seen it over their career over and over again. Yeah, and uh, when I saw Samurai Del Sol do that hand walk into the double backflip into a head yeah. scissors, I was like, oh, yeah, those guys can take anything, like any yeah. move they can take. Yeah. And so I I, I think even though it's convoluted storyline-wise and it doesn't really make any sense to me in terms of the story, I think it's terribly exciting to see them against luchadors. Like that's yes. – Kind mm-hmm. of my thing. And yeah. people forget that a lot of Luchador, I think that that's the other thing. They'll finally get kind of a rhythm together against the high-flying team. Then you bring in somebody that can brawl. I'm not mm-hmm. saying the parks necessarily, but look at them in terms of, like, the difference between flippy Lucha Libre and, like, hard-hitting, yep. bloody mm-hmm. Lucha Libre. Yes. And the then, Texas versus California. Yes. Miranda. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Now we we hit them with a bunch of California and maybe some Tijuana style. Then we bring them yes. that Texas style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like yeah, Texas Lucha Death Match or something. I don't know. Ooh. I would be all in on that. Yeah, so. more variety. I think that's what it is too. I yeah. think because AEW is built for smarter fans. It's that I think the expectation is also set a little bit higher that because they are more of a wrestling based company that they really start to now dive deeper than more just surface level Lucha Libre because they have the education. When we do that comparison between WWE, that is much more sports entertainment and AEW, which is a pro wrestling company, I think the expectation is set for a preference to do more, especially when you have like, you know, uh, a lot of your tag teams have Lucha Libre experience between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros and you're starting to get a wider range of either Lucha trained or Lucha adjacent talent mm-hmm. that you just don't want to keep producing the same type of surface level matches. Um, you know, you want to be able to go deeper because they, they already do with other styles of wrestling. That you kind of wonder, you know, why not Lucha Libre? So, I mean, as much as I don't really want to root for Psycho Clown, the uh, the, the payoff might, in fact, be the Psycho Circus for bringing in that Texas style. I was just thinking of who yeah. AAA could send up, and I'm, uh, that's the matchup that I like for that sort of swerve. Sorry, I, I just my mind got excited once once Dusty started bringing that uh bringing up that's that idea up. So I'm just yeah fantasy, fantasy booking now. That's what I do. <laughs> Check in at luchacentral.com for all the news and everything else regarding AEW. We'll be here next week. We'll find out who FTR wrestles next time. More bad Andrade and everything else. Same lucha time. Same lucha channel. Thank you, Dusty. Up next, we got this week in MLW and some interesting tidbits. If you haven't watched MLW this week, you definitely need to. We started off the show with Cesar Daran coming out to the ring um, saying that the show was missing something and that he needed a sacrifice, possibly alluding to the opening segment from last week's show with him and Mia Muertes. Um, and then 5150 interrupts him. Conan especially coming face to face with Senor Duran. Uh, it's pretty much saying they've been looking for him. 
and calling uh, Cesar Duran out, saying that they want Los Parks. Uh, Between Conan and Cesar Duran, a little bit of back and forth between them. Good stuff. Good stuff. If you like some good shit talking, um, that's what's up. Uh, They got that. But then uh, Los Parks come out. We have a brawl between 5150 and Los Parks. Um, which we will get into a second, but leads to an announcement that has come out regarding War Chamber this weekend. But uh, 5150 is out for those tag titles. A little bit after that, we did have Tom Lawler come out, who also confronted Cesar Duran, um, saying that he felt like he's been treated like trash and he's been screwed um, and that he wants a title match. And Cesar Duran said, of course, I can give you a title match. You are going to get a title match between Mil Muertes for the IWA Caribbean Championship, and it will be a casket match. That leads us to the main event of this week's show, the casket match between King Muertes and Tom Lawler. Uh, And we had a return of sorts. Uh, the entrances for this match started with King Muertes having a hooded woman come to the ring and she revealed herself to be Carly Perez. Yeah. I'm so now so that hype. is alluding to the ceremony that happened last week and bringing someone back from the dead. Um, so now we now, we do now have kind of the, manager if you want to call it in the business sense but more of the uh wrangler slash guide for king muertes um so very much got singing back to the tones of lucha underground um but this match itself was really straightforward with the power of king muertes all throughout the the match tom lawler was able to really get in some innovative moves um really trying to utilize the transition uh, between moves to kind of try to lock in some arm bars and some submission moves, but he couldn't, you know, it was incredibly difficult for him to overpower King Muertes. Um, He was power bombed through or onto the casket, which left a pretty big dent in there. And several times Tom Lawler could not get that lip closed just because of the strength that King Muertes had. Um, Eventually, King Muertes won the match um, with his finishing maneuver, uh, the straight to hell, and ended up rolling Tom Lawler into the casket, shutting it to win and retain the IWA Caribbean Championship. A very interesting note about this, um, I believe just yesterday, the day before, Tom Lawler also announced on social media that he is now a free agent. Um, so that, too, is kind of an interesting storyline aspect to this match as a way to uh, write off Tom Lawler. Um, he did. Yes. He did. Yes, he did. He did. Um, he did. <laughs> but as we know, anyone can come back from the dead. So aspects of Lucha Underground are still coming up with Azteca Underground. Um, and we are also seeing kind of a rotation of talent within MLW. So um, a great episode of Fusion. Uh, we also had uh, some additional matches along there, but that was just the main Lucha Central or Lucha Centric one. Um that happened this week. We do have War Chamber coming up this Saturday, November 6th in Philadelphia. 
we talked previously last week about some of the matches announced for that show, including Homicide versus L.A. Park. And, Brendan, you <laughs> mentioned earlier that you spoke with Homicide this past weekend. Yeah. And he actually had some specific uh, thoughts regarding this match with L.A. Park that he shared with you. Yeah, so as soon as he found out that I was uh, working with Lucha Central, he was on fire to tell me that he is fired up for this match. This is a uh, one of his checklist matches, and he is super excited to do this. And he said, we're probably going to see some stuff we haven't seen him do in a long time. So, uh, you know, that, that just in general, he's I, I'm excited that he's excited. I'm excited he uh, he is a fan of, of the Lucha product in such a way that he's, well, he's looking at things he wants to do before he finishes his career. Uh, L.A. Park is on that list. I mean, you know, uh, super exciting stuff. Um, he did. I'm just going to casually mention this. He did. He did mention that he likes the show as well. So there we go. Well, um, yeah, because he's a good-ass <laughs> man, man, you know, because he's, he's the shit. That's why. Like, I mean, are we just going to get into it? We're going to get into it, you know. Um, homicide's a beast. So, you know, very exciting news as far as just those thoughts um, on really it sounds like a dream match for him against L.A. Park. Again, this is the first time I believe in three years that Homicide is uh, going to be at MLW. Um, and so, I mean, man, this we talk about brawler style or Lucha Libre. This is absolutely what we expect from Homicide versus L.A. Park. Um, also, uh, a announcement that was just made earlier this week, as we heard 5150 called out Los Parks, and they are getting them. They are getting them in a Philly street fight for the World Tag Team Championship. So, uh, as Papa Park, LA Park, is uh, going to be fighting Homicide, Los Hijos, are going to be facing 5150 in a Philly street fight for the World Tag Team Championships. And as you know, Danny Limelight was on here not too long ago saying he's going for tag team gold wherever he goes. So this is just a, another nail in the proverbial coffin for him. Um, between him, Slice, uh, with um, Dr. Julius, they're all coming for that yeah. tag team gold. Um, and with LA Park being, you know, in his own match, that does leave the numbers game for really the first time in a while, not in the odds of Los Parks. Uh, it, and more than that, the, the, the mentor and kind of guiding figure, because the park style is all about chaos, but usually they're the ones that are creating the chaos. Mm hmm. You, you're losing all of that experience if you don't have L.A. Park, at least at ringside. Um, and who knows if he's going to make it there or not, because he may be having to worry about homicide or, you know, I don't know what the order is going to look like, but I can't imagine this tag team match happening after the homicide match. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, so I, I just, it's an interesting story. They're, they're definitely making the parks look more vulnerable. There's lots of ways that uh, 5150 can come out on top on this, and I feel like they kind of should. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see this one. I'm excited. This, this whole card is going to be great, you guys. It's yes. going to be fantastic. It's really a super, super stacked card. Speaking of new championships, we have a ladder match for the vacant national open weight championship. Alex Shelley versus Myron Reed versus Alex Kane 
versus Zenshi versus the wild card. So we also have a mystery competitor in this match that we will not know who it is until they walk out. Um, but again, as we talked about, this match could be really made for Zenshi, who is you know, one of those high-flying luchadors who mm-hmm. we've seen jump off of anything. So he can have a competitive edge in this match over, say, the experience of an Alex Shelley or the size of an Alex Kane. Um, you know, Zenshi is absolutely, you know, the literal, well, somewhat of the, the, real wild card, but then also again the actual wild card in there uh, that can really throw this match for a loop. Uh, we also have TJP versus Calvin Tankman in the Opera Cup semifinals. Enzo making his debut with MLW against Matt Cross. The winner gets a brief briefcase full of cash. Uh, enemies and Adis that again we've seen them go back and forth for quite some time on the independence. Uh, they are, you know, the Galley Lucha Libre Tag Team Champions, but at MLW War Chamber, they are enemies because the winner gets a bunch of cash. A bag so, of cash. <laughs> lots of money. So, man, money will make you do strange things. And then also uh, the actual War Chamber match was also uh, announced this week that uh, there will be two mystery uh, teammates for Alex Hammerstone. He already has enlisted the help of Richard Holiday and EJ Nanduka against Contra uh, with uh, Jacob Fatu, Mads Kruger, Joseph Semael, Ikura Kowan, and, uh, you know, one of their um, – Forget the proper terminology, but it just kind of death associates. Uh, one of their soldiers. Yes, yeah. one of their soldiers will be part of that five. So there are two spots open in the war chamber uh, match for Alex and uh, Hammerstone. Um, and again, we don't know who those people are, but we will see at war chamber this Saturday, November 6th. In Philadelphia, we will see these matches, I'm sure, throughout uh, the next few weeks on Alpha yes. Fusion, um, which, again, you can find on YouTube each and every week. It's an hour long, lots of great content in a short amount of time, um, and especially this card. You want to make sure you watch Fusion each and every week because each almost every card on this entire show is lucha related lucha adjacent so um as I, we- I do have a quick point on this card because yes. they're, they're filming live with all of the ROH releases now we won't get most of the WWE people unless they they, they really screwed up with their contracts we could get people um uh, mm-hmm. from those ROH releases that weren't originally planned to be on this card but if you can get a bandito last minute, I'm oh, just throwing, shoot. right? Sorry, I'm just throwing that yeah. one out there because he's the, the high end of, of what's available right now, but you, you will. And then, um, to, they've, in storyline, they've been teasing that those two spots on the war chamber might be filled by Caesar Durant's contacts, uh, from, from his, Lucha, uh, fight ground, fighting, underground fighting background. So that they're, they're hinting it might be Lucha underground stars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't, we can't overstate enough that how this could turn into a really big deal for Lucha fans. I just, yes. but with the, with the release, the ROH releases in particular, plans they might have had 
two weeks ago may very well have drastically changed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just sorry. I wanted to, no, to no, throw no. that such, out there. Such a good point, because, again, <laughs> that's also as we talk about the wrestling landscape has changed so much. As we refer back to Ring of Honor talent, they have been given permission to be free agents immediately. So they now could show up anywhere at any time. Yep, including Saturday at MLW. So, yeah, we're talking about, like, Bandito. We're talking about uh, uh, Demonic Flamita. We're talking about Ray Orus. We're talking about uh, any of LFI. I mean... Well, except Roosh, who still has a knee injury. Yeah. Yes. Not Roosh, but everybody else, yes. <laughs> he can be on the sidelines. He can beat the hype yes. man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And yeah. if you don't get excited, Roosh will manhandle you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know he will. <laughs> yes. Well, that is this week in MLW. Stay tuned. Make sure you come back uh, to us next week because we are going to be able to bring you those results as much as we can on what happens at War Chamber. Up next, it's the segment you know. It's the segment you love. It's this week in Lucha Libre history with Dusty. That's right. It's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera. He's got information. He's got birthdays. He's got anniversaries. He's got matches of the day. He's got amazing videos and even more. And everything he's got on there, the the best part, it's all about Lucha Libre. And it's all free. And it's all at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week, we chose November the 6th, 1994, when the AAA slash ICW slash WCW crossover pay-per-view, when Worlds Collide, finally went down. When Worlds Collide, Spanish, it was Cuando Los Mundos Chocan. It took place at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, and it was both scripted and in-ring produced by AAA and their American partner at the time, the International Wrestling Council, the IWC. But the show was produced for television, and the technical production was done by WCW after then-executive vice president Eric Bischoff helped AAA secure the show, secure the camera crews. He helped them navigate the issues with the unions. He did everything he can to kind of make this thing happen, which is interesting, you know, I mean, especially given how things are now, to see WCW really working that hard. And it was because he had made the kind of a handshake deal with AAA that if they would send up some luchadors for Nitro, he would Mm -hmm. get them their own pay-per-view. And Bischoff was a man of his word. He made it happen. And this was the first time a non-U.S.-based wrestling promotion had ever shown on Mm -hmm. U.S. pay-per-view. So it was a huge deal at the time. Like, it was massive. For whatever reason, this is never, I guess, due to the inter-company productions, it's never been on the WWE Network. It's never been on Peacock. Brendan's Mm -hmm. mentioned this, too. It it all seems to have come from one guy who videotaped it back in 94 because they all have the same lines and the Mm -hmm. tape, like where he'd played it over and over again. Yeah. It, it was just special, and it was at a time when Lucha Libre 
wasn't seen as important or anything more than a real novelty by most American fans. But this was treated very seriously, very importantly, and it opened the door to the lucha that we all enjoy and watch today. As we covered last year, the main event of this show was a steel cage match between longtime rivals Conan and legends of Lucha Libre superstar Pero Aguayo. But now this year, we're going to focus on the semi-main event. It was a tag team, Luchas de Apuestas, Mask versus Hair, with the popular technical duo of Octagon and El Il del Santo taking on La Parrilla del Terror, which literally means the terror team in English, Mr. Zart Barr and Eddie Guerrero. And while it wasn't the main event of the show, this was the semi-main event, and it was rated five stars by the Wrestling Observer back when that was really a huge deal. When they also was only five stars and only like yeah. four <laughs> matches at it. Yeah. In fact, I mean, it was a big deal at the time, and I, I wasn't – I mean, it was at the beginning of the internet. I wasn't super internet aware, but I saw that a lot at the time on the old – um alt.sport.prowrestling boards and stuff back in the day. Uh, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm dating myself there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also the Observer Report that year named La Parrilla del Terra the tag team of the year, and Art Barr is the heel of the year. So they were really on a hot run. Mm-hmm. On July the 23rd of 1994, they had won the AAA tag team titles, but the storyline involved being that they had paid off the referee to call the match in their favor. And what kind of referee would take their money, you ask? Well, it was Toronto's. Toronto's. Yeah. I mean, the, that's how, that's when if, he became a lifelong Rudo, was when he took the payout. Yeah, if you've ever wondered why, uh, the AAA announcers, when they're speak, they're talking on the English podcast, will always just rip into him saying he's a crook and a criminal, that match. Yeah, because he let Eddie and Art Barr pay him off, and he's been a Rudo literally ever since. Like, if you've ever wondered why he was a Rudo ref, this is exactly where it started. And after they got swindled out of the tag team championships, that led Il Del Santo and Octagon to lay down what is truly considered the ultimate challenge in Lucha Libre. They wanted a Lucha de Apuestas match with their masks on the line against the hair of Art Barr and Eddie Guerrero. And this was a challenge that Eddie and Art eagerly accepted. Uh, The match was set for the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view in Los Angeles. And as this was the most important Lucha Mexican-style Lucha match on the card, it's fitting that despite WCW's intervention on several matches against the two out of three falls, they were able to convince on the, like, just based on the heat that the, these two guys, you know, Eddie and Art Barr had, that they needed the two out of three falls to do it, you know, any justice. So WCW agreed to it. And therefore, I mean, it was the only match of the night under traditional lucha rules. If you're, you know, like a real lucha fan, you know, two out of three falls matches happen all the time. Singles matches with one fall are exceedingly rare in lucha. So this was much more what you would see in Mexico. We yes. even had a lucha stretcher shot with Octagon selling the pile driver from Art Bar like it murdered him. It was <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. And after Octagon and Art Bar were eliminated, Il Del Santo was able to roll Eddie Guerrero up for the pinfall, get the victory. Following their big loss on their first American pay-per-view debut, both Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar visibly cried in the ring 
to sell like how upset they were about losing their hair. It, it was incredible. They were the best heels, the best Rudos. I, I don't know that anybody's ever done it as well since then. If you've watched this match, you'll probably agree with me. Brendan, what did you think of this match? Oh man. Well, this is historic. This was, uh, this was the beginning of, uh, as you mentioned, the cruiserweights in WCW, uh, this was, we had four weeks, I believe it was, we had four or more weeks of, uh, of, of the professor down in Mexico bringing us the culture of Lucha Libre before yeah. bringing us into this. That's where I learned a lot about Lucha actually yeah. at the time. This is, this is where I, it began for me. Like it really, I was, uh, I, I mean, my last name is Barr. I had followed Art Barr's career <laughs> for the whole, I mean, and the Barr family was up here in the Pacific Northwest. So I thought as soon as I found out that he was in that match, I was all about it. And I was watching all those Lucha spots. I was, I was, this, I was hooked at that point. And then, uh, all the other Lucha matches are really compared against that one. And I guess that's not an unfair thing because it's a five star Lucha match. It is, it has everything you need. It's got the drama, the emotion. You've got the, the good guys, the bad guys. You've got, an unbeatable apuestas kind of uh, factor to it because it's a tag team mass versus hair factor. I mean, the second fall in this is, uh, is probably my favorite second fall in any Lucha's Lucha match. It's just perfect for, for bringing forwarding all the action, bringing everything right back to, to focus of making the fans think that anything is possible uh, just uh, this is a technical masterpiece of a match, and uh, it's the beginning of my lucha fandom. So there's, I'm just going to gush all uh, whenever we I talk about it. So anyway, it's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, like you say, historic yeah. <laughs> and special. I mean, and it yeah. feels special even when you watch it now. Like it feels yeah. like a very special, and they treat treated it with almost veneration at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miranda, what did you think of this one? So an interesting point you made about, uh, you know, this never being on the network. WWE has a playlist um, that's on the, the network website calling it the best pay-per-view you've never seen. Um, and so there are some clips on WWE's website, but you're right as far as um, the fact that it yep. is not widely distributed at all. Um, so they have the footage. Uh, why they aren't, you know. It's got to be legal reasons. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely some yeah. legal. If they could, they would at this yes. point, especially yeah. with Eddie Guerrero's legacy. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I suspect it has something to do with the IWC connection. I, I, I think it's part IWC and part Art Bar. Because Art Bar's family is not really big on releasing footage. Yeah, that's true. So, but especially the match that that we're the, talking about, this tag match, it is an example of how this match in particular, or when you have an event, the main being the main event, but you're always having a, another match stealing the show and what people really remember um, a show mm-hmm. by. And I feel like the the tag match <laughs> is one what people remember the most. Um, it was the most highly regarded and touted. Um, and even the footage, you know, seeing Eddie and Art walk to the ring, you know, you've seen that in reels for decades now. Yep. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people it's don't iconic. know. 
yeah, people, a lot of people don't know where did that footage come from? And it is this event. Um, so I feel like the history of it and then also knowing that long-term impact that it has with WW, uh, or sorry, WCW and the cruiserweight division. Um, you know, this was where a lot of that really started and took fruition. And I think also where WCW saw that there was a demand for Lucha Libre in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there wasn't any U.S. television that supported that, honestly, really until, you know, WCW put it on the map. And so I think that just in the historical context, it's just very fascinating to see this event. Um, but also, again, this match in particular, knowing the history that it had. Also, you know, kind of the unfortunate history as well with, with Art passing away not too long after this. You know, it's a very, it's a snapshot in time um, mm-hmm. of when, you know, worlds really did collide, where we saw really for the first time for a lot of people, luchadors whose names would go on forever in pro wrestling, you know, who were talking about, you know, 20 years afterward. And even at this point in 1994, you know, Rey Mysterio and, and Conan and Eddie and, you know, a lot of people have been wrestling for, for quite some time at this point. But the fact that this was really that U.S. introduction or just and maybe not full introduction, but I think this is the point in time when people really do feel like this was the introduction of Lucha Libre to a mainstream U.S. audience. To me, that is the big takeaway from this show. It was even, you know, as someone someone who did a lot of tape trading, it was it was Lucha was harder to get. I could get you Mm -hmm. Japanese stuff. I couldn't get Lucha even after that for a good long while. And it was, it's not that it was less available. It was all over Mexican TV. It's just there, there wasn't a demand for it until it was created. Uh, It was late, gosh, maybe, maybe even early. It was either late 98 or early 99 and into 2000 before I, remember seeing many lucha tapes i got more right. trading done in 2000 for lucha tapes than i had ever traded before you know like in any year and it was all lucha and at the time it was random stuff you could get this is we we laugh about a lot i got vampiros on the same tape with this i got vampiros debut in triple a around the same time and you know what i'm gonna that, say yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it, it was just a magic era, and once Art Bar died, he died 17 days after this show. Yeah. This was his final public oh. appearance. And once he died, it really felt like – I mean, it already felt like a new era of of wrestling and lucha. But in all of lucha, you can kind of look at it before Art Bar died and after Art Bar died when you see the style, and it just – I don't know how to explain it, but his willingness to embrace anything that got over and worked and made his character bigger and being so fearless became kind of a thing in Lucha. Mm -hmm. And they brought just a swagger to Lucha that had never been seen before. Uh, Los Gringos Locos was their stable. That was the first real stable in Lucha Libre. It just incredible yeah. stuff, and it all started here 
even though this is where Art Barr died, that's what led to Eddie going solo. Yeah. And so many ripples that happened just right around the show that it is truly what opened the door to everything we know and love now about Lucha Libre, about uh, Lucha Libre in America, where we can see it, how we watch it, was all influenced by this show, and I highly recommend everybody check it out. It's on yeah. YouTube for free. You can see the whole thing, original yes. audio. The video's not bad. I mean, it's VHS quality, but it is not bad. The audio is not bad. Like, you no. should check it out while you can. It's pretty good. Uh, I do want to also throw throw this back to... We talked a bit about this match and this period of time with Matt Farmer, and he had some insights on in that interview we did with him as well on the influence of, of Los Gringos Loco and this match in that interview. So uh, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. If you did, maybe you glossed over it and you're hearing us get all excited about this pay-per-view, go back and listen to that part, uh, and you can kind of match up with things we're talking about tonight. So. Well, you know, we always tell you all of the great stuff that's on LuchaCentral.com. But you know what? We're going to remind you again. Brendan, <laughs> can you let our listeners know what they can find on LuchaCentral.com? Let's do it. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Uh, uh, find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of this, it's free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Brendan, you have some CMLL news to share. Yeah, so our first wave of uh, of tapings of uh, Day of the Dead events happened. Uh, it was a grand spectacle. Katrina welcomed us. Uh, people were dragged to hell. I mean, it's a thing. You just have to see it to understand that. Uh, it, uh, fantastic. So I'm going to give you some of the results. Uh, so, uh, we are starting about halfway through the card here. I, I, uh, fudged a little bit to, to allow for, for one of my favorites. Sometimes knowing people, me knowing people makes me want to give their results too. Uh, so we had, uh, a six, Six-woman match uh, with the team of Avispa Dorada, La Vacarita, Princess Sugahate against uh, Dark Silhouette, Reina Isis, and Stephanie Vacker. Uh, the the Technicals came out on top on this one. I was really afraid I was going to see Avispa dragged to hell, but uh, not this year. Uh, it... it uh, you know, you everybody had their their unique masks and costumes. But Dusty and I could gush about the costumes that they do at this show every year, uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and and this match was no exception. So if you you uh, you know, if you get a chance, they hopefully will put this up on YouTube later. It was only on pay per view. It's all worth checking out for if, for nothing else, just 
look at the amazing production values. I say this every year. Uh, then the next match, we had another six-person tag match. It was Diamond, Magia Blanca, Rugido against uh, Cancerobo, Raziel, and Virus. Uh, once again, the Technicos won this one. Uh, they, but when they won, they then challenged for the Mexican Trios Championship. They got on the microphone and challenged for that. So we might see Diamond, Magia Blanca, and Rugido in a, in a Mexican Trios Championship in the near future. And then in the main event, you had the Rey del Inframundo Cibernetico, which consisted of Atlantis Jr., Mystico, Gran Guerrero, Volador Jr., Templario, Valiente, Camilio Diablo 1, Camilio Diablo 2, Angel de Oro, and Felino. Now, if you're not paying attention, that's pretty much everybody they've got left. This is at the top of their card, and uh, that's not yeah. a champion. <laughs> so this is a big deal. They were pulling out all the stops. They put all of this in there. This Atlantis, was a huge match, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlantis Jr. came out on top on this one, which surprised me. Yeah, me was, too. This is a big win yeah, for him. Yeah, he's also a little more Rudo this time around. So I don't know. They might be actually doing story with him, uh, or I could just be being too optimistic and reading details into it. But uh, Atlantis Jr. will be challenging. Uh, that should be – I believe that match is going to be Friday. So by the time this goes up, that match may have already happened. Uh but we will, yeah, so we will have the uh, two tapings this weekend, which will also be Day of the Dead themed. And uh, they are also going to be on, on iPay-Per-View. So you kind of have to tune in to see it and otherwise hope that uh, either they put it up or uh, a Cubs fan or other specialized people like that put it up somewhere on the sly so that we can we can see it. Uh and that that was that was our CMLL results for for this week. Uh, we will have more on the Day of the Dead matches next week because we do have the two more tapings. I'm super excited to watch more of it. I love these shows. I'm so glad we're getting three this year. Thank you, Brendan. As we alluded to earlier in the show, we do have your NXT and WWE uh, show recaps. Uh, for NXT, the only Lucha Central or Lucha Centric match we had was Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner versus Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. Um, as far as what we saw on NXT, um, both were pretty much in the ring by the time we got back from commercial break. Um, Von Wagner started the match really using his strength, um, to beat down on Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. I do like to say there was such a great chemistry between Kyle O'Reilly and Raul Mendoza. Um, I really liked the work that they did, very fluid motions between the two. Um, towards the middle to end of the match, um, Kyle O'Reilly was distracted when Electra Lopez came up, uh, and caused a distraction. Um, and then there was a miscommunication between Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner that ended up, um, costing them even more. Um, where Von Wagner was pinned by Joaquin Wilde, who also had his feet up on the rope. So a win, but for Legado de Fantasma, which again they needed. Um, you know, after the, uh, 
the multiple losses that they've had. Uh, no Santos Escobar out this week with him as well. Um, so that definitely, if we're talking about these releases and what happens with people, gets you a little scared. Um, more than a little. Yes, more than a little, but, uh, you know, we still see that they may be really looking to push, uh, you know, let out all the phantasma in some direction. What that means, we're not sure, uh, because again, they did get the Rudo win here, but a win nonetheless. So make sure you stay tuned. The results for all of NXT are available on LuchaCentral.com. So make sure you stay tuned to that. And I'm going to hand it off to Dusty, who's going to give you the results from this week's WWE television. Yeah, I actually wrote this before we heard about the releases. So you have to keep that in mind when we (laughs) go through the results. But first up on Raw, we had Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. I was very torn on this match. Uh, it was apparently produced by Shane Helms and Sean Devari. Great match. And on one hand, I love Austin Theory, and I love his character, and he does need some wins. But on the other hand, when it comes at the cost of Rey Mysterio losing to him and the whole thing advancing the pending breakup of Familia Mysterio, I'm not as excited. <laughs> Like, uh, it, it's, yeah, truly, like, a, uh, it's terrible. Not not a fan of having the confliction in this one, but was a fan of the match. It ended with a DQ win for Austin after Dominic got involved and crossed Austin with a huge closed right hand. Like I said, you know, we're running into the issues with the, uh, you know, the breakup, so hopefully it doesn't go too far. We also had Selena and Carmella defeating Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. If you were one of those people that wanted them to give these women more time, well, you saw what we got this week with an eight-and-a-half-minute mm. match. Uh, I, I thought Selena performed as well as always and put in fantastic character work, but with the talent involved and the time they've given them to make this work on Raw, it should have produced a better match. We've seen better from all four competitors before, and counting the fact that it went so long, this was an eight-minute and like, 30, 15 to 30 second match. I have eight minutes and 30 seconds written and eight minutes and 15 seconds. So, yeah, but. That is a standard undercard match length. Yeah. Yes. But we are, we are cheering them for giving them. Yeah. Yes, we're cheering length. them for the minimum. <laughs> Man, Sorry, Dusty, keep going. Yeah, well, that's kind of my thing. Like, they gave them this much time and it was exciting. Uh, Zelina looked amazing. But I didn't think it lived up to the promise. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it, another confliction. I think that WWE, maybe the match was cut in some way, changed in some way, but it shows a sign of faith in Selena and Carmella. Johnny Ace is the manager of talent relations now, or whatever his title is. And, you know, Carmella and Selena are just kind of his type. So maybe she'll get a good push as we go. You know, the women's tag titles are so devalued, it's hard to predict where they go, but they may hotshot them onto these two real quick. You know, we'll see what they do for attention. Then on 205 Live, we had Saray versus Katrina Cortez. And this is the one I mentioned where I wrote it before, and you would see, because the crowd loved Katrina Cortez. Her and Saray are both solid and talented upcoming stars in women's wrestling. I thought that Katrina would be an upcoming star in the women's division. Not so much. I hope we get to see a lot more from her. 
I would like to have seen more of the pairing between Saray and Katrina in the future. It felt like the beginning of a long rivalry in a way. Uh, despite a small resurgence, some amazing offense in the middle of the match by Katrina, Saray was able to snatch the victory with a seated drop kick against Katrina, who was on the ropes. The match itself lasted around six minutes, and it was incredibly exciting. The crowd was super into Katrina. Hopefully, she lands somewhere and becomes a big deal. We need to see a lot more of her in the future. Next week, more Lucha Libre stuff in WWE, I'm sure. We'll cancel or we'll cover it. Sorry. (laughs) Trying to read the group message as we're moving on. But uh, now I want to hand this off to Miranda. She's got some news in Impact Wrestling for us. Yes, uh, an interesting development on this week's uh, Impact Wrestling on Access TV. We had a number one contenders match for the X Division Championship that featured Steve Macklin versus Laredo Kid versus Black Taurus versus Rohit Raju. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the match well, because we were recording at the time, but the big news to come out of that is Laredo Kid won. Um, you do want to see the Laredo Kid did a beautiful moonsault um, off the uh, post um, onto the rest of the group that is on Impact Social Media. So if you want to check out that clip, check out Impact Wrestling. But he did win and is now the new number one contender for the X Division Championship. And Impact Wrestling just posted right now, as of nine minutes from when we were talking, uh, that Laredo Kid will face Trey Miguel for the X Division Championship at Turning Point on November 20th at Samstown in Las Vegas. So... That's definitely a match that's going to be a highlight of Turning Point. It's going to be exclusive to the Impact Plus app. But Laredo Kid getting his shot at the X Division Championship. Also announced for Turning Point, Mercedes Martinez will be facing Mickey James. Uh, Mercedes Martinez is cashing in on uh, the tournament win that she had at the uh, Knockouts Knockdown um, back last month. And so that, too, is going to be a highly anticipated match. But uh, really the big news coming out of Impact this week is uh, you know, Laredo Kid becoming the new number one contender for the X Division Championship, and he will be facing Trey Miguel at Turning Point. Also, just a heads up, uh, this is just a personal plug, uh, Las Vegas local talent and PCW uh, ultraweight champion Jay Vidal uh, made an appearance on Impact Wrestling yeah. facing Eric Young. Uh, quick match where uh, Eric Young uh, did a pretty nasty uh, tombstone onto Jay Vidal. Uh, got a good bounce in there from Jay, but uh, still a, I mean, Eric Young is a monster in it of himself. Um, also coming back into the ring after injury. So, um, you know, it had to happen, uh, but just a big personal congratulations to Jay Vidal making his Impact debut um, on this week's episode. Um, great talent, Lucha experience as well, um, and your current uh, PCW Ultraweight Champion. So. As of the last event, so yes. yeah, yeah, that was a fantastic match. Uh, so. Yeah, he's worth checking out any chance you get. So even this brief appearance on Impact is probably well worth it. 
Yes. Make sure that you stay tuned. And you know what? I'm making an executive decision because we got through some of that stuff real quick. Uh, our final news story of the uh, episode of this week's show is Ring of Honor. I know we got a brief. Uh, it's very strange how we started off last week's episode with Ring of Honor. We're ending this week's episode with Ring of Honor. Yeah, well, uh, not a lot of news has happened. They didn't have a TV show at all this week, as I mentioned at the end of last week's show. They probably won't have another one this week for the same reason. They I haven't seen an official announcement yet. But they did announce that they're going to go ahead. They're still going to have the Honor Club special on the Ring of Honor app. Uh, that'll be on uh, the 14th of uh, – 11-14th. Uh, it will, and they've got a couple lucha matches for us here. So we're gonna have Demonic Flamita versus Bandito in a no DQ match. And Dragon Lee and Kenny King are going to face off with the OGK consisting of Matt Taven and Mike Bennett for the World Tag Team Championships. So mm-hmm. we're gonna, uh, they're gonna end the, 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 the programming on a, on a bang. So we're getting some good stuff. Yes. And also Ring of Honor did put on their social media uh, or on their YouTube page. They do have a great vignette um, of Women of Honor highlighting who they think will be Roxy's next challenger, um, which highlights a lot of the women who were in the Ring of Honor uh, women's tournament um, earlier this year. So that does include uh, highlights of Willow Nightingale, uh, Miranda Alizé, uh, and much, much more. So if you want uh, to relive some of those elements of the uh, women's championship tournament, you can go to Ring of Honor. Um, they even have kind of a brief rundown uh, of uh, that match as well on Ring of Honor's YouTube page. I'm going to, on a personal note, they were building story with Miranda, Alizé, and, and Roxy and building a feud. So if we don't see a resolution of that before the company ends, either on one of these two pay-per-views or in a, a YouTube match somewhere, I'm going to be upset. Yes. <laughs> Well, we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of storylines that may be left hanging a little bit, unfortunately. That's the one. That's the one. (laughs) I'm drawing my line at that one. (laughs) That is the one. Well, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. You can always find this podcast on LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Don't forget to follow Lucha Central on social media at LuchaCentral.com on Facebook and Instagram and at Lucha Central. I'm sorry. Let me go back to that. At Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. So make sure you know yeah. that it's different on Twitter. Lucha Central com on Twitter. And of course, you got the YouTube page that has hours upon hours of content that you can find just exclusively through Lucha Central. And don't forget, if you are listening to this show through your favorite podcast streaming platform like Spotify, Podbay, iTunes, Speaker, subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe so that way you get a notifications every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. Leave us a five-star rating and feel free to share a review with us. Let us know your thoughts on the show, on the content that we cover, on the news stories we discuss, because we'd love to get your feedback. Another way that you can give us your feedback is following us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you? 
you're on mute, Dusty. Oh, thank you. Yes, my mm-hmm. cats, they get up by the microphone. I'm always afraid you'll hear cat <laughs> brushing against it. But I am on Instagram <laughs> at Dusty Murphy and Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. Can't be any worse than my dog's barking in the background. <laughs> I think you're fine. I got uh, podcasts sometimes and I can hear their little bell ringing as they're running uh, around trying to get my attention. <laughs> yes. I've, I've always got all this traffic behind me, so I, I have no room to talk. I'm, get, yes. I'm getting a studio at some point, but it, I, need, nice. I need more money. So, you know, start, start buying stuff from our sponsor. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. More money, more problems. <laughs> Uh, as they say, I would know because I don't have very much, but if yeah. I did, I could only imagine. Uh, Brendan, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I am 321 t-shirt guy. It's the numbers 321 and then t-shirt guy is all spelled out. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out. Make sure you follow us on social media. And once again, if you are an independent wrestler, promotion, promoter, fan that has ties to Lucha Libre, please make sure you reach out to us on social media because you may be featured on a future edition of the Indie Roundup. We support independent wrestling. We love going to independent wrestling shows and watching videos. Uh, so please make sure that you reach out to us. Make sure you stay tuned to next week's episode. As I tease, we are going to be talking with someone who is very well ingrained in the independent wrestling scene, takes mm-hmm. clips really everywhere he goes, and some that you've seen before, some that we've mentioned on the show before. So enough hints. You're just going to have to wait till next week to find out who we interview. But again, thank you all so much for listening. If this was your first time, if this was your hundredth time, that can't be because we've only done 79 episodes. <laughs> You're coming back from the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, uh, tell us what it's like. Tell us who wins Triple Mania. <laughs> yeah, tell us who wins Triple Mania and please warn us of more releases. Yeah, um, and lottery numbers. And lottery numbers. <laughs> such a good fact. That's why Dusty's the brains of a lot of this operation. Talk about more money, more problems. <laughs> Trying to get that future money in rolling. Lucha millionaires. Uh, <laughs> So thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. We got you covered each and every week on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast on LuchaCentral.com, on your favorite podcast streaming platform, as well as our partners at TheChairShot.com. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will be with you next week. (laughs) 